This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into episode number 33 of From the Braves Booth, alongside Joe Simpson and our producer-engineer Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. Coming to you from the ballpark, we're here at Truist Park. The tarp's on the field right now, and... Hopefully the Braves and the Astros can roll around no problems this evening for nine innings and get game one of this series in. But, Joe, looking back on the series that was, we intentionally held off from doing our podcast until that series came to an end. We wanted to be able to recap it, and I'm glad we did now because looking back on it, uh, last night was one of the best nights of the entire season. It was a postseason series, you know, uh, and having home field advantage certainly paid off for both teams with the the Yankees, the Mets winning – Four out of five in New York. Braves taking three out of four here. And I thought, as I said last night uh, during our part of the wrap-up show, um, I hope people made a put a little star next to this game because it was the best regular season game I can remember remember in several years. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was it was a big win, but you won a really good game. That was yeah. a terrific game. Even if you're on the losing side of that, the Mets would have to say, man, that was a great ball game. Uh, yeah, maybe they would. <laughs> I know Very if, competitive. If the Braves lost last night, they would not be saying that because of how important they thought the game was. I mm-hmm. think they they really felt a sense, a sense of need here going forward to build some uh, momentum, have some confidence, getting the lead down to three and a half again. And to think about it, it wasn't a walk-off win. You know, it was just a hard-fought clutch win, and the Braves beat arguably the best pitcher in baseball. And they did it with two 21-year-olds coming yeah. through late in the ballgame. What do you make of these two guys? Well, this is special. Yeah, they weren't even on the team before last night, and so they just went out in the street and found two guys. <laughs> I mean, that's the way I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they're, they're great players, but they're so young and so inexperienced, but nothing is bothering Harris or Grissom. And, you know, I, I kind of – I probably wore it out a little bit last night. But the play in the ninth inning that Grissom made without really even touching the ball was so phenomenal when he deked Lindor at second base and faked like – not just that he was taking a throw from the catcher, but that he was going to have a wild throw that he was going to have to try and catch. Yeah, uh, He sold that wonderfully, and that really helped get Lindor hung up. Whatever we thought – Grissom's baseball IQ was it, it's higher now isn't it absolutely it is and how he cut the corners on the bases too you know he was running to second when the ball kind of went right by him so he had to change directions quickly I mean he's going like he's got a like a he's got a steal almost but with two outs he didn't but he cut the corner at third base beautifully hit it in stride and uh, you know tip of the cap again to Ron Washington for not hesitating I wish we had the Nationals coming in here tonight. Or you know, it doesn't get any easier, does it? I I wish we had Sandy Springs uh, American <laughs> Legion, League, American yeah. Legion coming in here because because uh, we're a little uh, brain fried after all that went we went through here the last four nights and how crucial it seemed like every pitch and every half inning was. But that's not the case. Right. Uh, this looks like a familiar foe to me. It does. Astros coming to town, and right now they have the best record in the American League. And they have the second best record in Major League Baseball behind the Dodgers. And and if I'm looking at it and, and and from a Braves perspective, from a player's perspective, I'd say, well, we just face one of the best teams. Might as well take on another one. Uh, you you got these guys at home. If you take two of three in this series, that's a five and two homestand against yeah. two of the best teams in in Major League Baseball. I'll take that right now. Absolutely, at five and two. I take that. Uh, let's keep in mind these. Um, Astros scored 21 runs yesterday, not last week, yesterday. They're riding a real offensive high. Uh, McCullers is pitching tonight as we record this. He's only pitched uh, one time since he came off the IL. He was brilliant and was so good that the Astros decided to go to a six-man rotation. Now then, that benefits the Braves, I think, in a way because it pushes – uh, Justin Verlander to Monday. Yeah. Uh, unless they make a change, which they they can do, 
Uh, we're not scheduled to see Justin Verlander during this series. That's a break. It's something to see the Astros here. God, I, I know this is a different series, different team. There's some guys here that weren't here last year, but anytime you see these two teams on this field, all I can think about is the World Series last year and um, the amazing things we got to experience in that series. And I think I'll think about that anytime the Braves and the Astros get together. Yeah, it'll always be uh, right there. I, I think it'll be a good series and a fun series to watch. I think it'll be highly competitive, just like the series against the Mets was. But you, you're right. There are some guys that aren't here, uh, that were here in the fall. And Correa's first and foremost in my mind, uh, the shortstop for the Astros, who's no longer on the team. But they got a kid named Pena that not too many of us know a whole lot about, but everybody's really bragging on him as maybe American League Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. He's had a really good season. They've got a really good team. And we're going to see them for three ball games here. And then the Braves hit the road to see the Pirates and the Cardinals and then come back home to see the Rockies and the Marlins. And that'll carry us into September. Last night, as you mentioned, was one of the biggest wins of the year, probably the biggest win of the year. And it's really unfortunate that that's not the only thing we have to talk about today. We have to discuss what took place after the ball game overnight last night. Marcelo Zuna arrested DUI and lots of questions as to what that means for him and this ball club. Uh, where he is with in, in terms of the, his standing with the team and what this means moving forward. He has a big contract. The Braves still owe him around $40 million for the, the next two seasons after the rest of this year. And uh, this isn't the first incident for Marcelo Zuna. And you add all that onto his disappointing play, and it's just a gigantic disappointment altogether. It is. It's horrible. Um, it, it should be very embarrassing to him, you know, strike two uh, against him. I don't know the legalities of um, player contracts anymore in terms of um, the morals clause or you know how to just stink and act right. You know, right. I, I don't know. I don't know what recourse the Braves have, if any. Um, it's just disappointing and another black eye they got to deal with from a from this player, uh, especially after what was so good in that four-game series against the Mets. It's just horribly disappointing, as you said. Yeah, and it's very selfish. Um, Really poor choices altogether. And like you said, if this were the first time we'd had any kind of hiccup out of Marcelo Zuna, it'd still be extremely disappointing. But this, to me, is significantly more disappointing given what has already taken place uh, with his arrest last year. Um, With his poor play this year, the thing that I can't stand is it seems like it's a complete lack of personal pride. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see anything that he's doing to try to make himself better on the field. Then you see these disappointing decisions that are made off the field, and I have to wonder, what is what is the matter? Is, is this a situation where a guy has gotten his contract, he's gotten paid, so therefore he doesn't care about anything other than himself? And and I, I hate to say that that's the case, but I don't have any proof otherwise to say that it is anything other than that. Yeah, yeah. If he needs help, I hope he gets it. Yeah. Um, if there is a problem, um, he the teams certainly have access to programs um, for whatever the problem or uh, affliction might be or addiction might be. Um, so I, I hope they address that. I hope with him and his agent and find out, you know, where do we go from here? What do we need to do to help Marcel uh, get back on the right track? His numbers are down. He's played poorly. He's hit 20 homers, I think. Isn't that right? Um, but everything else has been yeah. not good. Uh, the the I don't know. I'm not uh, so poly purebred that I think that um, everybody's supposed to be perfect when they walk away from the ballpark. I know they're not. I, I played with people, players who weren't. But when you're near allegedly driving 90 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone, right? holy cow. Yeah. You know? Whew. You're allowed to make some mistakes, but the, you just there's some mistakes that you just can't go out there and make. Uh, you, you have a family. You have, you're a te- you have a team that's counting on you. You have teammates. And um, it's a team that's playing so well, and it's just something that you hate for the rest of the guys to have to deal with. This team won the World Series without him last year. Yeah. I know he was here through May. But what they accomplished last season, he had nothing to do with. No, nope. And so I, I can't even go to that perspective and say, well, he helped you win last season. It's got to be in there. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen good production in a while. And when you add on to all of that, what we've seen off the field, it, it really just 
um, it, it really chaps me, to be quite honest. You know what? What's, what's hard to understand is that this isn't a negative, surly guy that when we see him on the buses or in the hotel or on the charter airplanes, mm-hmm. that, he, that he doesn't make eye contact or whatever. He does, and, mm-hmm. he, and he pats you on the back or gives you a fist bump and says hello uh, virtually every time I see him. Right. So what he's doing doesn't go with what I see as his personality. I don't go hang out with him. I don't go out drinking with him, so I don't see that side of him. Um, it, it's just, again, it's very disappointing. It's almost like a guy got out the, the CBA, the player agreement, player contract, and said, okay, let's see what I can get away with. Right. Yeah, you know, they can't cancel my contract if I do this, and they can't if I do that. I mean, that's kind of the way it's kind of breaking down right now. Yeah, it is. And, and it's, it's a great way to put it because he is so good-spirited when you see him Yeah, that it made me want to move past the incident from last go-round yes. and pull for him. And I've been doing that for as long as he's been a Brave and was able to move past uh, the incident that took place last May when he was arrested and think, well, he's just such a good-spirited guy. We don't know what that situation was. Who knows? I'm not saying I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm willing to move past it and pull for him. And I and, and I hate that I was of that mindset now, looking back on it all, because this is the second time that he's embarrassed the organization and um, put that on top of his lack of production. And it just uh, it's just so incredibly disappointing. Yeah, so. I I'm not giving him a hall pass for what happened last year by any means. Um, we're just so we're always so quick in this modern era. Uh, to judge somebody based on what the initial reports are or what we're told by media uh, and outlets. And sometimes it's they're right on, and a lot of times they're not. Uh, when the charges were all dropped, or whatever, call it whatever they wanted, right. uh, on Marcel last year, uh, I think all of us were like, okay, so he had a bad incident, and it was written up uh, way worse than it really was, or way worse than we thought it was and his wife is not willing to pursue this uh-huh. so uh we do move on we we don't forget that it happened but we did move on and hope that he could return to his 2020 form right when he led the league in homers and um this is just a bad setback yeah sure is uh, i'll be taking some questions here in a little while our email address is bravesbooth at gmail.com that's bravesbooth at gmail.com you can fire away anytime you want and maybe we'll be reading your questions on our next show. As we wrap up the topic of Marcelo Zuna, when it comes to his contract and any legal ramifications, it, it's not like this is an incident that the Braves can use to get out of paying him that money, correct? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. That's, and that's, I, I, I'm not going to say definitively because I don't know. Right. And I'm sure it's something that they'll explore. I think if they I had, would. I certainly would. Yeah, absolutely. Because if they could move on, they would, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um uh, but I don't know that they're going to be able to do that. And if they can, Ben, it's it's not like a guy's got some clause in his contract says you can't skydive. Yeah, and you went out skydiving and you broke your arm. Right. Oh, yeah, we can cancel this contract. It's it's not that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, the reflection on the the team and the organization is such that um, there there comes a time that you have to really seriously consider what your next move is. Sure. Yeah, that's right. Well, as far as the team's next move, like you mentioned, it's three ball games versus the Astros tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. And you take this series, and it would be a very, very impressive homestand for the Braves. You and I were talking about the Braves' upcoming schedule, and they've got some tough teams coming up. I feel like between this Astros series and that West Coast trip, I don't want to take anything away from St. Louis. It's never easy to go there. Yeah, they're a right. first-place team. But I don't think they're any better than the Mets or the Astros no. or even no. the Phillies, maybe. No. Um I look at these next two weeks as a, as an opportunity where if you can get a little – well, I don't want to say get a little bit of momentum. You got some because you just took three or four for the Mets. But keep it. Win this series versus the Astros, and then it's Pittsburgh, as, as Dennis Eckersley said, a hodgepodge of nothingness that they are. <laughs> and it's St. Louis. Uh, and then you come home to see the Rockies' bad baseball team and the Marlins' bad baseball team. Mm-hmm. So while you do have some tough teams coming up in September, you'll go to San Francisco, you'll go to Seattle, you got a couple of series with the Phillies, you have another series with the Mets. You do have a little window there where I think you can remain hot or maybe continue to get even hotter than you currently are. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, um, I don't, I'm like you. I don't want to look past St. Louis by any means. I don't even want to look past – 
uh, Pittsburgh coming up uh, because of the way they have always played the Braves in Pittsburgh. But this Houston team is really, really good. Uh, their starting pitching is very good. Bregman is red hot. He's in the cleanup spot now for Houston. He is red hot. Uh, Guriel, uh, go through the whole lineup that we got used to seeing last year. Uh, there's just not any weaknesses, and, uh-huh. and they're all they all seem to be playing real well right now. We'll see Kyle Wright go tonight, and really all the success that he's enjoying this season, in my opinion, started in the World Series last year against these guys. As he came on in relief of Dylan Lee, went four and two thirds, and that springboarded him into the success we're seeing out of him. He wins tonight. He's got 15 wins on the year. I love it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I love it. Uh, we got to hope for uh, dry conditions. Um, it did rain earlier, and the tarp is on the field, but right now it's not raining. So things are looking up in terms of getting this game underway on time, and we hope for that for Kyle's sake. All right. Well, we got a bunch of questions to get to for uh, the rest of our show. Oh, and, and don't be mad at us tonight. Uh, Jonathan is here. He is participating, but he's under the weather, and he's pretty much lost his voice. Yeah. So he may not be on the mic as we talk about this. We may just refer to him. We Maybe ask him to answer a question to us, and then we'll pass it along. Which means we get some peace tonight, because he, we want to have him barking at us like he always does. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, um, again, shoot us an email, bravesbooth at gmail.com. I'd love to read Peter Moylan's question as he has emailed our show, but I don't think we can. Uh, You see that? Four questions down? Yeah, and... um, (laughs) We'll get back to you on that. Yeah, Pete, you're going to have to ask J-Chat about that. Way too intimate. We, we don't know those details. Um, hey, Ben, Joe, and J-Chat, this is a question specifically for Joe. Obviously, he's still uh, been one of the best players on the team with his arm, speed, and bat, but not you, oh. but Ronald Acuna. <laughs> <laughs> but Ronnie still isn't quite getting the lift we're used to seeing despite hitting the crap out of the ball. Have you noticed anything with his swing that could be tweaked, or is it a more uh, more related to timing slash a lower body issue with a repaired knee? Thanks, that from Samuel. I think you nailed it there, Samuel. I think um, he's still, uh, I don't want to say favoring his right knee, but he's still conscious of it and not, not trying to overdo it. And that launch thing or lift thing you're talking about, a lot of times that has to do with your back leg sitting on your back foot and uh, kind of bending your knee so that you are kind of driving the ball on an upward, upward arc. So that probably lends itself to it. Um, I, I'm not worried about it. I love the fact that he's hitting the ball to right field and getting on base. He walked four times the other night. Yeah. So all those things add up to, to really good stuff for the ball club when he's contributing like that. But I think once uh, once he's confident that he doesn't have to think about that right knee, you'll see difference a difference in his swing arc. Yeah, and to me, that's the the benefit of having such a deep lineup. It's great when Ronald hits homers. I mean, he's capable of being a 40-40 guy one day, perhaps. We'll see what happens with a knee the rest of his career. However, if he's not hitting homers, if he's just getting on base and scoring yeah. runs, I've got plenty of other guys who can hit home runs. Yeah, I'd like him like him to be a little more judicious about his base stealing yeah. than he was the other night. Uh, Brian Snitker may have to put a stop sign on once in a while because his numbers have really gone down. It, it's... He's a really good base stealer, but you don't just run to be running. Uh, you got to pick your spots and know your catcher, you know your pitcher, and um, and then you're going to be successful again. I like this question from Michael. He says, it's only one start and 45 pitches, but does that single-A start change the mindset of the Braves' front office on Mike Soroka's immediate future? Seems like consensus was to see where he was uh, and understand what we'll have for next year. Could they be looking to try to get him up to the big leagues on a uh, potential postseason roster? That's for Michael. I think that's a stretch, Michael. Uh, personally, uh, I have been, like everybody else, very anxious to see Mike Soroka pitching again, period. 
uh, not necessarily in the big league. So when he pitched the other night in Rome and pitched so well, we all got giddy. We all remember how good he is and how much of a part of this team he could be and how helpful he could be. But we still have to realize that um, – uh, it's still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And what did we hear that he's going to work at Gwinnett? Maybe Gwinnett Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. So that's even a better test. We're not uh, we're not trying to poo-poo any thoughts of him pitching in the big leagues this year. We just don't want to get overly excited just yet. Yeah, I agree. Let's see how things go Sunday. Were you were you surprised when you found out his next start would be at AAA? A little bit. Yeah, I was. But, yeah. but they're also trying to keep him close, you right. know. Uh, so they can have him pitch and then come back here to the ballpark and go through his between-start routine, if you will, get any treatment he needs, uh, do all of his in-between-start work. I was looking at this, too. The AAA season goes until the fourth week of September this year. Does it? Usually, you know, they're finished around Labor Day. Yeah. But they go deeper this season, so you could get another month of him if you had to at AAA just to see. And um, So, in other words, he has a place to pitch that's not here if need be. And I agree with you. If he were part of a postseason roster, that would be an incredible story. I would imagine Mike is probably the only guy who might have to worry about trying to rush through it and try to get back. I just want him to be good to go. And if yeah. that means next year, so be it. Yeah, yeah. And as we're speaking here, they are taking the tarp off the field. That's good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from uh, the Asphalt Cowboy, whoever that might be. <laughs> A uh, quick question regarding Swanson and Vaughn. Given Michael Harris's contract, how does that, how much does that leave for Swanson? Do you see him possibly off the team and Vaughn taking his spot? I don't think he was this good last year. Do you see Dansby's performance staying at its current level moving forward? What's your thoughts? I ben? love having Dansby here. Um, he's he's always been a winner. He's a big part of what they did last season. He's a huge part of what they're doing this season. Dansby, in my opinion, is going to make a, a a lot of money. He's going to get a big contract. We were talking about it yesterday, and we were thinking, I mean, between twenty and twenty-five million a year uh-huh. could be the case for five or even six years. Who knows? Um, I, I think you have three plays on this when it comes to shortstop next season. You've got Dansby. You could make you could give him a contract extension, and you don't even worry about free agency. And you got your shortstop for the next four to six years, whatever you sign him for. You go into the offseason without signing him, and you test the free agent waters. You've got Trey Turner, who will be a free agent. We we understand that uh, Carlos Correa is going to opt out of his player option uh, deal with Minnesota. He could be available. Those are guys who could get at least $30 million a year. Mm-hmm. They are top-notch shortstops, but I think they're going to be a little bit more expensive than Dansby would be. And then you've got the, the third route where you just go with Vaughn Grissom now. That's going to save you a ton of money. But is Vaughn Grissom ready for that? I don't know the answer to that yet. I don't either. That's a big gamble in my in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, is Dansby going to get uh, Corey Seager money? I don't think so. But then I didn't think Corey Seager was going to get Corey Seager money right. last year, the kind of contract he got from Texas that has already cost the GM his job. Um, I, but that remains to be seen. I, I constantly get surprised and shocked by some of the deals that are handed out um, will Dansby give the so-called hometown discount? I don't know. He might. He's from here. He loves it here. Fans love him. I'd like to think so, but um, this is probably the last uh, opportunity he's going to have for a multi-year deal. Mm-hmm. He's 28, mm-hmm. uh, so he's going to need to make hay while the sun's shining on this deal. So it remains to be seen. We'd all love to see him come back. I was asked the other day uh, why the Braves didn't give Dansby uh, a contract and wrap him up like they've done with Acuna and Harris and Albies and Riley. And I said, well, my opinion is he wasn't that good. You know, he was pretty good and he was above average, but it wasn't one of those deals where, boy, we got to try and figure out a way to avoid arbitration and any type of free agency with Dansby. It hadn't happened until last year when he really – stepped up if you had to ask me right now where's Dansby playing next season and beyond I'd say here yeah but I'd have said the same thing for Freddie Freeman I, this I, year though and I did or last year yeah yeah, yeah we, we both did mm-hmm. uh, guys we're entering the best time of year where we have the home stretch of the regular season and football on every weekend 
With Oklahoma set to join the SEC, Joe, are you looking more forward to going to Athens for a game or Oxford for a game? And will you attend with Ben or J. Chad, respectfully, uh, schedule permitting? Also, uh, this this question is from Robert, and he says, uh, separately, my nephew turns eight next weekend and is attending his first Braves game on the uh, Saturday of Labor Day weekend. Any chance I can get a signed ball from you guys? Appreciate the consideration. Keep up the best broadcast in baseball. Thank you, Robert. I'm sure we could. Uh, of course, we can always auto- accommodate that. Baseball. Yeah, um, Oklahoma will join the SEC. I don't know, 24, 25, something like that. Yeah. yeah, whenever that is, and uh, I would, um, I would look forward to attending a, a game in Athens or Oxford or Auburn or Gainesville. You know, anywhere in the SEC that's uh, It'll be a lot closer to you now. Oh, you can see yeah, them anywhere. A lot easier for me to go on the road and see the Sooners than it would be to to go to Norman. So I'm looking forward to that. Everybody knows that's going to be a huge step up uh, in class, uh, but we'll I think uh, we'll field a team and see how we do. <laughs> I think you'll be all right. Yeah. Um, oh, here's from Tamara Meredith, who says, do you guys ever hang out, get to hang out with Blooper? Is he as fun as he seems on social media? Uh, we don't get to hang out with him, and we don't know. And The question should be, does he get to hang out with us? Yeah, the do- he doesn't come to the booth. He wouldn't fit. So that, that, that's a simple fix right there. <laughs> um, we did see him at, after a spring training game coming out of the suit. We got to see the guy who's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hate to ruin the mystery. There's actually a person in there. Yeah, there is, and, mm-hmm. and he was hot. He, yeah, it was about a million degrees that yeah. day. Um, hey, fellas, hope everyone is doing well. Here's a fun hypothetical for you. If you could travel back in time to any non-Braves baseball moment and it plays out just like we know it did, what moment would you want to be in the booth for to call the action for? Take uh, take care, guys. Have a great weekend. That's from Cam. Oh, there's great moments in baseball history you'd want to uh, be able to see live. You know, I, I think of uh, the shot heard around the world, the Russ mm-hmm. Hodges call for mm-hmm. the – uh, New York Giants against Brooklyn when Bobby Thompson hit the home run. Uh, other other moments like that. Uh, I would love to have watched Dizzy Dean pitch. Yeah. I would have loved to have watched Walter Johnson pitch. Those guys, I would love to see how hard they threw and how good they were, were relative to all the numbers they accumulated. Wouldn't you love to see Cy, yeah. Cy Young pitch? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you think about great moments, and it would be a hard decision because there are great moments I'd like to see, but ultimately there are players that I'd like to see to compare to what I'm used to seeing. Right. 32 World Series. How much did Babe Ruth really call his shot? Yeah. Um, it, it, it go back to – I've read about this. Obviously there's no video footage of this, but it sounds like just absolute chaos. And and I hope I can say this, but have you ever heard of the, the, the Merkel Boner? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. When you read about that play from it was like 1908 or something like that, right? It's pure insanity. I'd like where there's a play. They it was the Giants and the Cubs, I think it was, and they thought that the winning run had scored, but apparently there was some rule that if you go and tag a, I forgot what it, all the specifics mm-hmm. of it, but fans are running out onto the field. One of the guys is still out there on the field and produces a baseball, whether or not it was the real ball or not and goes and touches a base, an umpire sees it, they call him out. They say, we got to restart this thing tomorrow. we got to replay the whole inning. As fans are out there on the field, umpires have to be whisked away by the police and, and keep them safe. It sounds absolutely insane. So, And, and I don't say that that's the, the, the moment that I would choose, but I would choose something from a long time ago that is now of legend and has been passed down generation to generation. And I'd like to know how much of what we know now about specific plays is actually true yeah, and how it all played out. So I'd go back a long way in time. Uh, I, I'd even go this way. I, I'd love to watch uh, Cool Papa Bell run. Yeah. You know? I'd love to see Josh Gibson catch a game. Uh-huh. I, I'd like to see any of, that, any of the old uh, Negro League teams that had these great players, I'd love to watch them play and see how great they truly were. Right. But it, it extends, like you said, to all players um, and compare them to what we're used to seeing. There's just so much mystery in the game that's usually uh, before 1930-ish where you didn't really have much video. We just have photographs, and I'd love to see what that era was like. Mm-hmm. And those ballparks, too. Yeah. 
you know, how hard did Bob Feller really throw? Mm-hmm. All those things uh, come to my head. We could go on like this all day long, yeah. coming up with things we'd like to have seen. Hey, guys, I was wondering if anyone had asked Travis Darno about why he consistently uses different bats. I've noticed it throughout the season and wondered if you guys had any idea. Sometimes he will even use different bats in the same game. Thanks for always providing a great broadcast. That's from Derek in Nebraska. Go. I'm guessing he just wants to switch things up. If a bat works, yeah. he'll stick with it. If it doesn't, well, let me try this. He likes variety. I don't know. I, I, I would do that. You know, he's, he's going well, though. I mean, if you're going pretty well, you kind of stick with a similar weight, uh, a similar style bat. Uh, he uses that counterbalance bat sometimes, uh-huh. but, um, you know, we'll have to ask him. We'll have to check in with him and give us an answer. He, uh, we, we love Travis because he's so lighthearted, humorous, just good, fun, good natured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just loves playing the game and we love watching him play. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Tanner from Birmingham. Love the broadcast, the podcast, best in the business. Joe talking about Sid Slid and the ensuing celebration last episode made me think, what is the loudest stadium moment in a game you've broadcasted? For me, talking about Tanner, the loudest I've ever experienced in person was Ronald's Grand Slam versus the Dodgers in the 2018 NLDS, followed closely by the back-to-back home runs from Dansby and Soler in World Series Game 4. So what's the loudest for you? The Cooney Grand Slam was was up there last year in the World Series when Duvall hit the Grand Slam. That was pretty wild. Um, the back-to-back home runs, I want to say the night before with Soler and Dansby, really, really, really loud. Freddie's homer against the Brewers um, in the fourth game of the Division Series last year, mm-hmm. extremely loud. Um, you know, when, when they called the infield fly rule in the O twelve in the O twelve in the twenty twelve wild card game, uh-huh. it was loud for a different reason. Yeah, it was. But that was madness. Those are some of the ones that come to mind. Yeah. Uh the night Sid Slid was the loudest I ever encountered. Uh is at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, of course. And um the stadium truly was shaking. The there was no um sometimes on a moment like that, the crowd kind of ebbs a little bit, and then it might pick up a little bit, and then it ebbs, kind of slows down. This was a loud, sustained, amazing noise level for an incredible period of time. And um, because the stadium was completely enclosed, mm-hmm. I think that was part of it, because some of that noise you're hearing is coming from center field. Yeah, you know, It's coming across the field at you. It's not all going away from you. So I think that was part of it. That's a really good call. Uh, can you explain the difference of a manager asking for an umpire review versus a manager challenging a call? Speaking about the second inning foul ball on August 18th. Thank you. That's from Greg in Gainesville, Georgia. I know like last night they had the crew chief review after Buck Showalter went out there to look at the ball that Darren Ruff hit that ended up being a foul ball. Uh, I think there are certain calls where – it, it, it is a crew chief review where I don't know that it's – I wouldn't say that it's not challengeable, but there are certain calls I think that the crew chief has to look at, and, and that might be one last night. I think the boundary calls yeah. like that, fair or foul, uh, home run or not, I think they can request that without it costing them a challenge. Okay. Um, in Monday night's game against the Mets, this is from Lois Mitchell from Austell, Georgia. She said Ronald Acuna lost track of the number of outs through the game ball in the stands after only two outs. When the camera showed Spencer Strider, he was wearing his cap with the bill to the side, and then he moved it back to normal. The camera then showed Acuna, who turned his cap to the side and then back again. Is that some sort of code for maybe that's only two outs, not three, or was it coincidence that both the pitcher and right fielder had an unusual fashion statement? Love the the podcast and broadcast, Lois Mitchell. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a code. I think it's just something these, this team does once in a while when some guy messes up, yeah. makes a mistake, and they We're playing they, like clowns. They kind of clown him a little bit. It's <laughs> yeah. like a, putting on a clown hat. So I think that's what that was about. Lois. I'm just glad no one was on base because if I'm not mistaken, if someone was on base when he did that, I think they get two bases. I think that's the yeah. rule. Yes, yes, yeah. If they're yeah, thank goodness there wasn't anybody on base. Yeah, that would have been 
extremely embarrassed. You probably put him on the bench for that. Well, I I've, I tell this story occasionally uh, about par- poor old Charlie Liebrandt. Uh We were in Philadelphia at Veterans Stadium, artificial surface everywhere, and Charlie was pitching, and he needed you know he knew he needed x number of strikeouts to get to a thousand in his career and he struck a guy out they threw the ball back to him and he knew that was 1000 and he threw the ball tossed the ball to the braves dugout with a runner on base without calling timeout and charlie started chasing the ball (laughs) he didn't he didn't get there in time and it went in the dugout and the runner got to go to third base as, as i recall and i remember charlie's interview after the game he was asked about it and goes yeah yeah i kind of kind of should have got ahead of myself there a little bit should have called time out <laughs> joe said he liked chili dog so as a braves fan from cincinnati i need to know your thoughts on skyline chili thanks brett i can do without okay <laughs> i don't need any skyline chili but thank you uh, let's see. And, and that's not popular in since I mean, popular for me to say that for someone from Cincinnati. I get it. I have neighbors that uh, are from Cincinnati that swear by it and want to know what type of skyline chili I'm going to eat when we knows when he knows we're going to Cincinnati. And the answer is none. He just don't like it. No, none, not your thing. Don't care for it. Why not let Eddie hit against lefties? We need his bat down the stretch. Why have we not heard more about Ozzy? Should the team be concerned? How about J. Chad tossing a commercial break saying to the bottom of the fourth? Thanks. That's from Brian. Well, you've got other options when it comes to righty versus lefty. I mean, Eddie's going to be really good against righties, and you have other options that will be good against lefties, and you just like the numbers better. As far as Ozzy goes, foot, when, you, when you're talking about a fractured foot, that is a hard injury to bounce back from because feet don't heal quickly at all. Yeah, big deal. And he's out there running cones here in the last week here in this homestand. We've seen him take some ground balls. I know it's got to be tough thinking about him jumping back in the cage for the first time because you know at some point he's fouling a ball off of that sure foot. Sure thing. And he's going to have it protected and all that. But it's, it's got to be on his mind. So um, I, I'm thinking for Ozzy, if he gets cleared to play in rehab games by the end of the month, I think that's a great sign for him, and then maybe we could see him sometime in September. And if you think that uh, you've seen the end all in shin guards for a player when he's hitting, I'll bet you haven't seen anything yet until you see what they <laughs> some kind of bubble wrap thing they put on Ozzy when he hits. It's going to look like what hockey goalies use. Yeah, right. But we're all anxious to see him back, and he's on a good path and moving along pretty good. So it'll happen when they say he's ready. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Uh, Let's see. From Sean Harvey in Hurricane, West Virginia. Love that. Listening to you guys talk about Vin Scully in the last episode led me to ask this, Ben. Is this Ben, is there a former great color analyst that you would have loved to work with in a game? And Joe, is there a former play-by-play broadcaster you would love to have worked with? And for Jay Chad, is there a pair of former greats you would have loved to produce? Keep up the great work. Love listening to the radio broadcast, Sean Harvey, Hurricane, West Virginia. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of guys who come to mind. I, I always enjoyed uh, when I was a kid watching uh, Joe Morgan with John Miller. 
I never got to really meet Joe. I met Joe Morgan for a split second one time when I was 15 years old, so I never really got to meet him, meet him. Um, I always liked Joe Gargiola. I thought he did a great job when he would do World Series games back in the, I think, the 80s. So that's a guy who comes to mind. And, um, uh, yeah, I guess it'll be, uh, I guess those are my first two. I, uh, mine would probably be uh, Ernie Harwell. Yeah. Of the Tigers with that syrupy Georgia drawl that he had. It was so one awesome, wonderful man, too. Um, you know, and Red Barber. I, I, those guys were, Red Barber was gone when I came along. Uh, I knew Vin well enough to say, okay, I, I don't have to work with him. I know him right. well enough. I know what it would be like to work with him. But, uh, yeah, Ernie Harwell is the first guy that comes to mind for me. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Jack Buck. I'll put him in there. And you get to sit there at Tiger Stadium. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and fend off foul balls. They, <laughs> yeah. they they had a screen. They had like a uh, a backstop type screen, not chain link, but uh, a, a square cotton. I don't know nylon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Screen in front of his booth, in front of his window, because of how dangerous it was. That's cool. Well, we've said it. You and I have talked about this hundred times. It'd be. That'd be a stadium I'd have loved to have worked yep. in. Yeah, you would have. There's no doubt. How about you, Jay Chad? I know you're back there. I can see you. Two go- oh, he's pointing at Pete Van Weeren <laughs> and Skip Carey and their likeness that we have on the wall. So that's uh, that's a great one there, a great choice right there. Did you notice that he, he still communicates, even though he can't speak right now, he communicates with the same demeanor, just point right at the wall. Like, yes. Well, that's the, very first, direct. that's the first time he's pointed at anywhere near you and me with two fingers right we're usually number one (laughs) yes we are (laughs) um let's see hi guys this is my favorite podcast and i look forward to it each week between the game broadcast and the podcast you guys feel like great friends that i've never actually met and i'd be willing to bet many of us in brave country feel the same way with the podcast being as popular as they are now are there any non-baseball or non-sports broadcasters or podcasters that have been an influence or inspiration to you. Thanks for being the soundtrack to nine months of the year. Alex from Roswell. He says, P.S. Joe, I've been listening to you since I was a kid, and my mom let me fall asleep to Braves games on the radio. I wanted to be a baseball broadcaster for a long time because of you and Skip and Don and Pete. Uh, That didn't happen, but I still love to listen every single night. With all the remembrances of Vince Scully, I wanted to let you all know that uh, you have been that kind of a voice for me as uh, for me and Braves country. Thank you. And, Ben, I hope my kids say the same of you when you're my age. I love the way you continue the tradition of greatness from the Braves booth, and thanks to Jay Chad for making it all work. We appreciate that, Alex. That's a great, great, really good note. Uh, great letter. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, influence. Non-baseball or non-sports influences. Yeah, I, th- I think there'd be plenty. I'd, I'd need some time to think about that because um, – I mean, there are lots of guys, lots of broadcasters that ne- not necessarily were in sports that I've admired. Um, I always thought Larry King put on a good interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really, I've always thought that when it comes to interviews, uh, I, I'm always trying to watch people who do a great job interviewing other people because I think that's such a skill. It's something that I feel like I've had to work more on than anything else. I mean, I love play-by-play. I love describing a game, but trying to get the best out of another person, that's a separate skill set. At uh, any time I get to hear somebody who can do that well, I'm, I'm always enamored by that. Yeah, that's a real talent, and I appreciate that too. I think that's why I, um, I appreciate all the guys who have the late-night talk shows. You know, yeah. They're so good with, with what they do. And they get people to open up. You're right. They're, they're very good at that. And, you know, since I'm old, Johnny Carson is my guy that yeah. I, I think of right away. Uh, a lot because uh, he was self-deprecating. He could laugh at himself, make fun of himself. And I like those guys the best. Those guys are the ones that I'm attracted to because they're not pompous. They're not know-it-all. They're not trying to make you think that they've got all the answers. They're curious, you know. Yeah. And they're, they're trying to learn, and they're trying to get better um, and learn something maybe they didn't know before. Those are the type of people that draw me in. I'll give you one other name just completely out of the blue that really doesn't have anything to do with interviewing people or baseball play-by-play or anything like that. But back in the day, did you ever listen to uh, Coast to Coast with Art Bell? Did you ever hear that show? 
I don't think so. Coast to Coast with Art Bell was this show, and I could pick it up on my radio when I was a kid, and it was literally coast to coast, and they talked about all the supernatural things, alien sightings and Bigfoot, and people (laughs) would be calling in swearing that they're, you know, all these... Uh, bizarre things that they've seen and he would entertain all these calls and you know and i would imagine 99 percent of it was completely made up but it was extremely entertaining and there might be some radio nerds out there that remember coast to coast with art bell so i'll throw him on the list here's one from drew mitchell in murfreesboro tennessee he says he's been enjoying the podcast look forward to new episodes coming out uh still celebrating the world series we are too drew no doubt about it I was, he says, I was eight and 95 and remember, but don't recall a lot of the details. And I've been a loyal Braves fan ever since I can remember. Um, I would go over to my late grandfather's house. We'd watch Braves games together on weekends. See, I, I hear about and read about stuff like that all the time. It makes me feel so good that uh, grandfathers were including their sons and grandsons in broadcasts. And it, it's just a great thing. Um, when things wouldn't go our way, his grandfather would joke, say he was just going to call Bobby Cox and have a chat with him about <laughs> what he should do. His question is this. When a player like Vaughn Grissom is promoted from AA to MLB, can it be discouraging for guys in AAA? I just could see it as so heartbreaking. You're on the doorsteps to MLB, and they pull a guy below you to go to the majors. In a way, it might fire them up and play better. Just wonder about your thoughts and comments. Hmm. Well, if, if you – think you're the next in line and you don't get that opportunity that's got to be disappointing and maybe if it's me i'm thinking well maybe i need to be in another organization maybe it's just not working out for me here i don't know some of that is experience and age you know there might um there might be some 27 28 close to 30 year olds in triple a that are still hanging on thinking they can still do it Mm mm-hmm and then an injury occurs and they think there's my opportunity and it doesn't come, it's like you realize, okay, I'm, I'm definitely not on their prospect right. list. I'm just insurance down here. You definitely feel that. The irony of what happened with Arcia that led to Vaughn Grissom is that Brandon Shoemake's having a pretty good year at Gwinnett, mm-hmm. a, a very good year, and he was likely the next guy in line for that. Uh, and this is Joe Simpson talking. It's not an assistant to Alex Anthopoulos. But he got hurt. He got hurt, unfortunately for him, a couple of days before Arcia did. So any chance of him being called up instead of Graham, uh, uh, instead of uh, Grissom, went out the window. Right. And he's probably lamenting the fact, God, if I hadn't gotten hurt, I'd have been the guy. I'd have been the guy up there doing that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's just – bad luck right you know and uh happenstance that you didn't get the call and somebody else did yeah and and for the for the guy who does get the call he's thinking it's destiny for the Mm -hmm. guy who doesn't get the call it's bad luck well for years uh, a sidebar to this for drew mitchell is that for years most of your quote-unquote prospects and high prospects are in double a yeah the younger ones anyway there might be some top-notch uh, prospects like, say, William Contreras, if he was in AAA, mm-hmm. like he was supposed to be at the beginning of this year. Now, obviously, he's real close and knocking on the door and has already been in the big leagues. But uh, a lot of organizations have older veteran players that are insurance in AAA while the prospects are working real hard at AA. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, let's see. I live in Kentucky, and I appreciate being able to listen to your broadcast in every game. My questions are, how many sets of gray uniforms are taken on the road for each player, or are there a team of elves washing and mending uniforms? Yeah, we have a separate plane for the elves. You know, they mm-hmm. come along, they wash everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't take up much room either. No, no. Yeah, it's a very tiny. It's a little Cessna, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, washing and mending uniforms until all hours of the night. I'm curious about the logistics involved when players are called up while the team is on the road regarding getting their names on the uniforms, all the equipment that the players will need, etc. Ben, thanks for your descriptions of the uniforms in each game. It reminds me of an announcer I grew up listening to named uh, Kaywood Ledford. I'm not, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, thanks. That's from Deborah. I know when it comes to um, traveling on the road, I'd guess they have a couple of pair of each uniforms I'd, I'd assume I know for for the Braves specifically we travel with the uh, the navy tops and the gray tops maybe they have a backup for each but each team 
has a uh, a seamstress that a lot of times is there at the ballpark and at least for home games and if you need a, a name or number stitched onto the back of a uniform really quickly they can do that and and that's up to the clubhouse guys to make sure that that gets done so for instance when we were in boston and we were coming from new york to boston and we found out that vaughn grissom was coming up i would imagine that there was a seamstress there at fenway park that the red sox used that maybe the braves paid and to put vaughn grissom's information on the back of his uniform i don't know that 100 percent. that'd be my guess and i can ask those guys just to make sure well they always appreciate it the clubhouse the equipment managers appreciate an off day to get that sort of thing yeah, done yeah uh even if they have to send it out uh somewhere uh on the road to get that done but uh it is yeoman work by those guys when they have to scramble quickly uh to get something done get a uniform ready and they are probably among the first to know you know mm-hmm. you know from alex anthopoulos we're going to make this move we're bringing this guy up and sending this guy down you need to get him a number and get his name on his uniform and they they need the, as much time as possible and i'm guessing they're among the first to know but mm-hmm. can't reveal it yeah that's a good point i mean it's um the guys who work in the clubhouse, you know, we travel clubhouse guys. Yeah. So it's it's not like when we leave, they stay here, and we're completely relying on the guys who are at the other stadium, the visiting stadium, uh, when we are the visitors. We take our guys with us, mm-hmm. and they rotate. They split the trips up amongst three, four different guys, and they handle all that stuff when we're on the road. And uh, you're right; they would be the first to know if we got to get all the stuff uh, put together and get this guy's equipment here and let him go play. I think we got time for one or two more. Uh, yeah, is this Chip Carey or is this just Chip? We, we get letters from someone named Chip. I love the podcast. I enjoy listening to you guys on 680 The Fan app. My question about the iPads in the dugout. Obviously, they can't watch the game or highlights because of the opportunity to steal signs. Exactly what are they looking at? Highlights of themselves? Scouting reports? Chip. It, they are looking at highlights. They are looking at their swings from different angles. Those iPads are controlled and run by MLB. So all the content that's on there, that's uploaded, uh, uploaded to those iPads from the league. Uh, I know that each team has their own video guy. We have Rob Smith, uh, and they can go and look at videos of all sorts of different things. But when it comes to the iPads, all that content is controlled by the league. And a lot of times they're looking at their swings, um, what they look like with a follow-through or something like that and breaking down what they just did in their performance. And sometimes they just want to see their swing when they hit that home run. Yeah. I want to see how good I looked. <laughs> For Von Grissom the other night, I, I think his bat flip in his first home run was uh-huh. – I don't think he knew what he was doing. I don't think he did either. So when he went back and looked at the replay of that on the iPad, he was thinking, oh, no, are they going to bean me next time? Right. <laughs> he he kind of had a look on his face like he did something wrong, which was really funny to watch. Well, what do you think? I think that's. I, yeah, I got to. You got to get Snit. I got to get a Brian Snitker report done here pretty quick. We thank you again for all your great letters and uh, emails and appreciate everybody listening. And we especially appreciate all you folks who are uh, listening to our radio broadcasts while watching uh, the video uh, stream from whatever source you have and muting muting the volume on that and listening to us that's That's very much appreciated we appreciate you being out there shoot us an email bravesbooth at gmail.com till next time for joe and for jay chad i'm ben you've been inside the braves booth